0: I'm Brittany Wilson. I'm Nia Wasink, and you're listening to The, the Nonprofit, Nonprofit Reframe. Refrain. Because we know that nonprofits and their staff are undervalued,
1: under-resourced, and unrelenting.
0: Welcome back to The Nonprofit Reframe. Happy Monday, friends. Uh, we are recording this on Tuesday, August 10, for release on Monday, August 16.
1: All right. I'm saying nothing. I'm not going <laughs> to say waiting. anything. Nope. I'm saying nothing. I'm saying nothing about how I can't believe it's August or I can't believe school's starting or I can't believe summer's ending. I'm not saying any of it. <laughs> oh, what a shame. So, sorry, you ruined that, Nia, with your <laughs> memes and graphs that you like to put. <laughs> mm-hmm,
0: I saw it. <sighs> Um, For those of you who have no idea what she's talking about, follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Nonprofit Reframe. (laughs) And then you'll
1: be in on the joke.
0: Uh, I'm so glad you saw that.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I've seen it. I've been sitting on it for a week. (laughs) How's your last week been, Brittany? (laughs) Um, Good, actually. Yeah, it's going pretty well. I had a weekend with relatively few plans that ended up with a weekend that was super busy.
0: As it happens to you frequently.
1: I know. And, yeah, I just keep, I keep meditating on the question you asked me a few weeks ago, which is, how do I do my life? (laughs) (laughs) And um, that seems to be kind of like a running mantra of mine mm-hmm. for the last few weeks. And I don't know. It's day to day. Day to day.
0: <laughs> Sounds like a an inspiring weekend.
1: It was. No, it was actually a great weekend. But it's just so funny. Like, even when you don't plan anything, shit happens. And it was all good shit. But it still fills up time quicker than you think.
0: True. Mhm.
1: And I just want to know these people who read so many books.
0: I know, I I was on When's vac- it
1: happening? When's it happening?
0: I don't know. I was on vacation last weekend, as you know. I
1: know, which is what I want to hear
0: about. Well, I brought a book on the trip. Um and a historical fiction book, which is not usually something I read, but I wanted oh, something I that I could just kind of binge through a bit faster. And I did. I read so much in the last weekend, more than I have probably in the last year combined. But I'm still in a halfway through. It's a, it's a hefty book. And I'm like, when the fuck am I going to finish it now?
1: Mm-hmm. Like, You're not. Christmas? <laughs> I know. I tried to get into the habit of going to bed and just even saying half an hour of reading.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Just
1: half an hour every night. And I felt like I got into a pretty good um, routine or rhythm with that until the summer happened. Yeah. So maybe when school starts back up and we get back into a better routine family-wise.
0: But other than that, because
1: getting up early, are you getting up at 5 a.m. to read a book?
0: It's a bummer because it's a really good book and I really want to finish it. So maybe I'll just keep putting that out into the universe and that will spur on my continued reading over the next few months.
1: You are an early riser though, aren't you?
0: I'm an early riser, but like getting things done. Like that's when I work out, I do dishes, I do the laundry, like I like starting the day with a clean slate.
1: I wish I was every night, Mm
0: -hmm.
1: every single night I go to bed and I set my alarm early and I tell myself all the things that I'm going to get done before the kids even wake
0: up, and it never happens. No, have we talked about chronotypes on the show before? Hmm, are they like any like the enneagram? No, it's like what type of um, timing your body has, like early bird, night owl, mid bird. Um, and it, there's this whole science to it of, like, when you should be doing certain types of tasks. Mm-hmm. Like, if you're an early bird, then you should spend time, I think it's, like, in the morning, doing anything that requires, like, computation and data analysis and more of your creative things this time of day. And it's really, really interesting stuff. Um, but one of the most interesting things I, I thought of when reading about it was how we have put, like, some sort of moral high ground on people who get up early and do things. Yeah, which makes no sense. Like, I would love to be able to be productive after nine p.m. and I cannot.
1: Like, mm, don't ask me uh-huh. to do
0: anything important because it's not going to get done well. Yeah, but we, as a as a society, we have said, like, powerful people get up early. It's it's bullshit.
1: Well, I mean, yeah, there's all those things. Like, they also make their bed every day, absolutely, and not. <laughs> they. I mean, there's all these things that they do, right? um those powerful people but there's this business coach that i follow and she was talking about that that is one of the things that she did once she got her business moving is structured her day around herself and so she's like i don't start my day business wise until 10 Mm a.m and she's like Because there's all this other stuff that I like to do or I like to sleep in or whatever. And then she works a little bit later, but, you know, she gets her shit done, but does it according to her own schedule. Yeah. And I thought, wow, how liberating.
0: Are you just excited? Just can't wait to embrace that kind of lifestyle yourself? (laughs) Yeah, totally.
1: (laughs) I mean, it's just uh, the options are endless. So on the horizon. (laughs) Well, I'll have to check that out and report back what chronotype I am because unfortunately, just off the cuff, I don't really know.
0: Mm. Well, the book that I was referencing is called When. I'll make sure I put it in the show notes if, if folks are interested in learning more.
1: Great.
0: you ready for Monday Jokes with Nia, which I am now prepping you for so as not to spring it on you and we miss it again? So
1: thank God you are because this is what I was going to tell you earlier. My father-in-law is visiting right now and just a couple hours ago I went downstairs where he was sitting at my kitchen table and I made myself some lunch and I sat down and I talked with him and he told me a joke but like you do where you just try to sneak it in and it didn't (laughs) work for him it didn't work for him either and he was just like wow that just went right over your head didn't it I'm like damn it will these people just tell me before they're gonna say a joke
0: (laughs) Because that's how the best comedy happens, when you're fully prepared for it.
1: (laughs) So I am ready.
0: Okay. Classic, horse walks into a bar. Bartender says, hey, and the horse says, yeah, make it a double. (laughs)
1: That's a good one. Thank you. I'm gonna tell my kids that. Of course they might not get the get it a double. But um You could just
0: have the horse say, sure.
1: I would like to think that had you tried to intertwine that into our conversation, <laughs> I would have picked up on that one.
0: <laughs> so Brittany, I was at this bar and this horse <laughs> walks in.
1: <laughs> <laughs> but you never know. Who knows? <laughs> So, Brittany, what are we actually talking about today? (laughs) We are, okay, here's the thing. We decided we've done a few, um, what are those called? Multi-part series. series. Mm -hmm. Where we had, uh, we went through the donor cycle, um, and we thought that it would be great if we could do something else that we could expound upon every week and, you know, Add different layers to it. And so we decided that we're going to do one on everyone's favorite topic, board members. Um, And this week we're going to focus on recruitment,
0: board recruitment. So as a little preview for our listeners, today is board recruitment. Next week, so releasing August 23rd, we're going to talk about vetting potential board members from there, on August 30th, we're going to talk about onboarding new board members. And from there, on September 6th, I think that's Labor Day, we'll be releasing our episode on retention of new board members. So really bringing you th- full cycle through boards. Love it. I've been
1: working with some boards lately, so I'm primed. I'm ready for this. You're
0: ready. You're ready. Yes. All right. Let's start with some of the like common questions. Number one, is it better to have one board recruitment cycle annually or to always be recruiting?
1: Um, is there an actual definitive answer for this question?
0: I have an answer.
1: Okay. <laughs> Whether it's definitive. Well, I don't, know, I don't know if my answer is your answer, okay. but I have been part of both, yes. and I like the one time of year.
0: Okay, say more about that.
1: So here's what not to do when recruiting board members. I don't like the, hey, somebody just called and they work at X bank and they wanna know if they could be on our board member or be on our board and we just say, sure. And there's no process, (laughs) there's no vetting, there's no like, hey, maybe let's have a conversation with them first. So I've I've been in an organization that used to do that and it drove me crazy. Mm And then I finally got to an organization that had a one time a year um, recruitment process. It it seemed more equitable <laughs> there. Everybody knew um, kind of when that was gonna happen. And we can talk more about that later about how that was structured. But yeah, it just seemed like a more equitable process. And if we met people outside of that time, we got them involved in other ways. And so it really kind of gave us an opportunity to vet them even further before the process even began you know like hey why don't you volunteer in this committee in the
0: meantime and then when time comes beautiful beautiful you don't agree no i was actually going to say many of the same things uh, my answer to your initial question was yes and yes because i agree that there should be one sort of process um that is clearly laid out right deadlines what's going to happen along the way. But recruitment should be an always happening thing. I see what you're saying. Yes, absolutely. And so like you said, you're getting them involved in committees or projects um, so people can really feel out, is this a good fit for me? Um, Now, whether it's once a year or twice a year, I think really depends on the organization and your board. Um, I've worked with organizations where they've like actually added a second recruitment cycle because they have just needed – kind of more folks coming in or they're trying to shift up things. So that I I don't really have big commentary on. But yeah, having a process, having dates, but then always recruiting is going to be the way that you're going to really find the best board members. And that way you can also prime them. You know, I was working with a board recently and they found a great board member in January, but their onboarding wasn't till September. And they're like, well, we really want this person on the board now. And I was like, have they been involved before right do they know you exactly because maybe this is a good time for y'all to see and uh funny enough she started sitting on a committee realized uh she actually thought the mission was something different than it was and she was um opposed to what they they did no (laughs) way yeah yeah it's pretty fascinating Um, So we can also talk about like the vetting process in our next episode and how to avoid that entirely. But it was a great reason that they did not immediately put her on their board.
1: Wow, that's a great story. And I I think it just reminds us that, you know, throughout the process with board members and finding board members, it really should be um, on both sides, Right. Like people should be looking on both sides about if it's a good fit for them, the mission, the obligation. And again, we can get into that with vetting next week. Uh, But I do think that sometimes uh, organizations are so desperate for board members um, that it's just this knee jerk reaction. Yeah. And 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 it just looks it looks desperate. Yep. Absolutely. you on the organization side should also you know you have a uh we always talked about the power dynamics mm-hmm. right inherent in nonprofit work and you have some power in this too so mm-hmm. you can tell people that it's you know maybe that's not a great fit and you know they can be involved in other ways but yep we're jumping you jump ahead
0: yeah i know I i'm know. just gonna that's cut hard. this out and put it in the next episode um.
1: <laughs> I'm just going to say it all again and then it'll be reinforced in great
0: brain. that's the kind of content our, our listeners really want <laughs> repetitive um, yeah. so let's talk board matrices okay what do you think of them what are they
1: oh you mean when you send out a survey to your current board and you list all their skills and industries that they work and have them fill it out and then see where the gaps are that is definitely one utilization, yes. Um, so that's how I have seen it used. It's usually um, a little. What do I want to say? It's uh, a little too targeted, mm, right? Say more about that. Well, I feel like now that we are hopefully having more conversations about DEI. <clears throat> And really, that we can use uh, that lens to look, obviously, at our board recruitment too. So, what's who's currently on our board, and um, and can expand outside of just are you a banker, are you a lawyer, are you do you know something about marketing, do you know something about human resources, but is also expanding it to look at like generational. Um, Diversity, economic diversity, racial, ethnic diversity, like of all kinds. So that when you're looking for a robust board and trying to recruit people, that it's just not like, oh, well, we need someone who knows about
0: finances. So are you saying your board matrices don't include those other demographics? The ones that I have seen um, don't always
1: include that. Don't always include that. Whoa. Whoa. Right. So I'm saying if you're going to use one, like, let's let's use it
0: well. That's fascinating because I've never seen one without demographics. Mm. Interesting. Um, I was going to take this conversation in a totally different direction, but I didn't know these kind of matrices existed and my mind is blown right now.
1: But they're just made up by the people that are there. And it's just like, well, what do we need? And it's very subjective and it's just kind of trying to gather the information that they think that they need instead of getting a more exhaustive list to compare.
0: Wow. Yeah. Again, mine. So in the ones that I more commonly see, it is all of those things and all the demographics. Yeah. The problem, well, there are a number of problems. It's putting people in boxes. Yeah. Yeah. Sure, you want to go down that path? Go for it. Tell me more about that. <laughs> well, I it definitely makes people have to
1: self-identify into individual boxes that don't represent the whole person. So, I mean, I might have a skill set that is not uh, overt, right? Maybe it's something I do on the side or something from a former life that if it's not asked specifically of me, I don't share. So... I just don't think that they should be used, um,
0: like, just in and of itself. Totally. Again, though, what? Your matrices don't include those other things? I don't know. Maybe not. Oh, my God. Okay. Here.
1: They're not mine.
0: Quit saying mine. i sorry. I didn't create them. The ones you have seen. Thank you. In your career. Thank you. So, ideally... It includes so much more than just career. It, it has all, all kinds of things that are relevant to the organization. So it could be um, community affiliation. It could be skills like soft skills, not like talking about career-based skills, but you know, who who's good at leading meetings? Who um, is really good at recognition and? Ensuring people are included, right? No, can I be... definitely have not seen that on the ones I've looked at. This sounds amazing. Keep talking. I know. Tell people what they should be doing. <laughs> now I see why you're so down on matrices, because what you're talking about sounds awful. Yeah. So ideally, it, it provides a lot of information. And usually, organizations will have boards do like an annual survey to collect that kind of info anonymously. It is important that there are enough um, answers in every section to ensure that you really are encompassing the different types of identities that people might come to the table with. Um, and then you overlay that with whatever goals you have in terms of the diversity of your board. And again, that's across all of those different things. So obviously, a lot of boards right now are talking about racial diversity. They could also be looking at ability diversity or age or socioeconomic status or, you know, kind of whatever's relevant within that specific community or within the client population they serve. And so they should be able to look and say, okay, our goals are this, our current board is this, and therefore our gaps are this.
1: That sounds amazing. And how many times have you been a part of a conversation that says, uh, we've got three board members rolling off this fall. Who do we know that has capacity that we could get on our board? Ugh, gag. Right? Isn't that what it like gets funneled down right. to?
0: Crody. Well, and it's these more robust survey matrices that allow boards to not just tokenize. So when you're saying, yes, we need three people of color, but we also need somebody with these other skills. We need somebody who's going to be able to take on this role for us. Then you're looking for a more well-rounded kind of candidate instead of just somebody who is a person of color. Right. And when you're out recruiting, that's the kind of conversation you should be able to have. Well, Sally, we really think you'd be good on this board because you're passionate about our mission. We know you care about it. And we've seen you do these things, which is something we really need in a board member. Right. Right. That's how you, you ensure that people are able to join boards and actually contribute instead of just check a box. Exactly. You've got your board matrix and you've got um, the kind Nia's talking about, not the kind Brittany's seen. And so <laughs> you've got a really good idea of the kinds of things you're looking for. What do you do then? Right.
1: Well, one thing that I have seen that works pretty well is um, actually creating. So you've got that process, right? Let's say it's once a year for argument's sake, and that's your recruitment process. And that includes um, a recruitment, a board recruitment committee. And those are the people that are going to be collecting applications, reviewing them, interviewing, that sort of thing. Um, But at least it gives a handful of people the job and the mindset of, oh, yeah, we need to try to get more applicants. But ideally, that is also being, that word is being spread throughout the board, throughout the organization with staff. Um, You know, I really enjoy when I see it listed on someone's website or they even post about it, that it's treated almost like a job application, right?
0: Mm Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Uh, You know, it's interesting when, especially as of late, as boards are really diving in and talking about their lack of diversity, um, one of the first questions I always hear is, well, how do we find them? Them being the not us. Right. Anybody, any voice that's not currently represented on our board. Um, And of course, the answer to that, it really depends on the organization, but you usually start with what you know. Your volunteers, your donors, people who are already showing that they support you. I mean, the number of times I'm working with boards and they have, like, never asked staff to help with board recruitment blows my mind.
1: Is Doesn't it? I know. I don't know why board
0: and staff, it, they have to be treated so differently. Right. Right? How often has your vol- volunteer coordinator done anything with your board? <laughs> right. Right. Which is so ridiculous. Why don't we integrate that more? And and I'm not just talking about recruitment. Like, your volunteer c- coordinator could integrate the board in volunteer appreciation activities and all of the wonderful things that they do. Yeah, exactly. It seems
1: like such uh, a natural fit. Right. And yet, it so rarely happens.
0: Yeah. And instead, we put it on the executive director who, let's be clear, doesn't always have a great relationship with our board and not in all seasons.
1: Yeah. And the volunteer manager saying,
0: I've never even met the board. I don't even know who's on our board. And the volunteer coordinator is the one who knows, oh, John shows up for every shift. He's available when I need him. He really cares. He's great with our clients, right? Like that, that's the kind of information that board members aren't going to have unless they're talking to the volunteer coordinator.
1: Yeah.
0: So yeah, look at who you have already. Um, And when you've, when you've already identified, like, here are our key needs, it makes that conversation that much easier. Yeah. I mean, it's one thing to go to your development director, your volunteer coordinator, whomever, and be like, we need board members. Oh, my God, the sky is falling. We need board members. It's another thing to say, we are looking for this specific profile of board member. Who you got? And here's the job description that goes with it. Right. Yeah.
1: So when you are, you know, said staff member and you have someone that you think would be a good fit um and matches this criteria of skill set that they're looking for you can at least have an intelligent conversation about what that role entails absolutely because especially if someone's never been on a board before you know they're gonna say well I'm busy you know, I don't know how much, time, how much time do I have to commit to that, and what does that look like, and what exactly would I have to do? And you don't have to have every detail, but it's nice to have a document, at
0: least a standard document that outlines it. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Okay, so now you've gone to your staff. Maybe they bring you one or two candidates, but you need more. Where do you go now?
1: Well, that's a great question. I mean, I, I think that, like I said, we've done it before where um, – we have advertised it on social media we have put it on our website so like all the things you were saying talking to your donors talking to your uh, volunteers i think talk even talking to partner organizations um and different community foundations anything any place that has community involvement
0: have you ever done like a formal posting you know kind of job board style Volunteer board style that goes broad. I don't think so, but that's a great idea. No, it's not. I've never had oh, them be successful. Just kidding.
1: Never do it. Do not do it. <laughs> 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 All right. So I want to hear it. <laughs> <laughs> that was an Str- epic
0: response.
1: Strike that. Not doing that.
0: I've just never had them had them be successful. Yeah. Well, like, and here's, I think, where organizations need to pull back and st- get out this mindset that, like, our mission is so amazing, everybody would want to commit to sitting on the board. That's just, like, not a thing that exists. Yeah. So putting out those kind of postings to the general public, you know, theoretically, people who have never been involved with your organization, because you already hit them in phase one, going through right. your volunteers and donors. So this is going up to the general audience. Why the fuck would anybody respond to that? Yeah. It's silly. Yeah. I mean, being on the board is a significant commitment. And so you want to make sure that people really know that and they're committed. And you're going to get that because they're already committed to your organization or because you're having direct conversations with them.
1: Well, and I think at the end of the day, it goes back to the point you made at the beginning of that this recruitment should be happening all year long. Right. If you're sitting there, it's kind of like... Christmas gift shopping oh yeah
0: you ready for this I'm so excited for the analogy do it
1: so if I am at the end of November beginning of December and I have a list of 20 people that I have to buy gifts for and I all of a sudden have to think of those gifts on the spot right now of what's going to be the best gift for each person that's going to be really hard and they're probably going to get a crap gift okay because I'm just going to go and get some like you know nice smelling lotion and a candle and call it a day but if i'm thinking about it all year long so that as i'm at some random store in Ure, colorado and i see this thing that reminds me of a friend of mine and i say you know what i'm gonna buy this and save it for him for christmas
0: so you just need to buy your board members save them for christmas
1: No, it means when you meet someone throughout the year (laughs) who you think would be a good board member, you're planting that seed, right? I
0: I totally got the analogy. I'm just joking. Okay, good. And is this because I had to call you frantically last night to find out what your daughter wants for her birthday in two days?
1: Oh my gosh, no, you're like the queen of thinking ahead. I would never throw you (laughs) under the bus for that. No, it's, it's something I am trying to do better is when I see something that reminds me of someone, I get it. But then it's
0: that not giving to them right away problem that I have. (laughs) (laughs) And in case your daughter ever listens to our podcast, don't worry, Olive, I got you a gift. It's coming.
1: Yeah. It's a great one, too.
0: (laughs) Yes. So we are recruiting year round. We are working all these things. The next big question is, well, what if I'm trying to get people who aren't traditionally interacting with our organization? Like, for instance... We are trying to increase racial diversity on our board, but our volunteers and our donors are pretty white. What do I do?
1: Yeah, and I think that's where you need to have a real gut check about whether or not you're just trying to check a box. Mm. And if you're really doing the work and you're serious about the work within your organization, then you're making headways into populations that you're not normally um, involved with. Right, and it shouldn't be that big of a leap. Yes,
0: that was such a good answer. A plus, Miss Brittany. Thank you, thank you. But the, I mean, that, that's that's where it's at, right? Like, I'll have clients ask me this all the time. Well, where where are they? How do I connect? And I'm like, well, what spaces do you need to be in? You know, it, it's the it's really just shifting from like. Well, people should come to us to sit on our board. They should be just like so entranced by what we do that they come to us. And you need to shift that. You need to go out into community. You need to come, go into these spaces that you aren't comfortable. You know, one of the things we always say is like, when was the last time your organization showed up at Cinco de Mayo or right. Chinese New Year or these right. spaces where people of color are out and celebrating? It might be uncomfortable, but you need to go do that because, quite frankly, people of color do that all day, every day as they live their lives in America. And as you do that, as you show up in those spaces, as you continue to show your commitment, you'll start to develop relationships. And that's then how you are able to truly forge meaningful relationships with cultural brokers and folks who will be able to help you make those connections you need to find the board members.
1: Right, because let's be honest, if you are just checking that box and you happen to find someone, um, in the example we're using, it's a person of color, but it could be any example of diversity, and you convince them to be on your board and you haven't done the work internally, and it's not a space where they feel welcomed or safe or like they actually have a voice at the table, not just a seat. Um then you're doing even more damage. Yes. And you're causing harm and that's irresponsible. So everybody who says like well we just need to increase diversity on our board, it's like okay, stop, take a step back and let's look at what work needs to be done mm-hmm. before that.
0: Yeah, I was just working with a board and they were um kind of getting to that place of realizing, "Oh shit, we have some work we should have done first before jumping into this. And uh, some of the board members were really expressing, I think, very genuine frustration. Like, when will we be ready? When will we be at a better place? And I said, you know, right now, actually what the research is showing is it's like four years from when you yeah, make... Like, if you're asking it, you're not ready. You're not ready, clearly. <laughs> sorry. I mean, we've talked about this plenty of times, like nonprofit boards are white dominant spaces. They are set up to serve white board members. If you are going to shift that, that means changing a lot of things that probably happen at, in your board meetings before you ever bring on a person of color.
1: Right. And that's from, you know, we've talked about it on here before. That's everything from um, accessibility, right? So are you having it at night in the evening or? When single parents can't come because they don't have childcare or they're working all day or do you have the ability for people to be able to um, attend virtually, remotely? How often are you meeting? How long are those meetings? And what is the financial requirement to be a part of the board?
0: Oh, gosh. Right? We've said it before. We'll say it again. Until we don't need to anymore. If you have a fucking give requirement with a specific dollar amount, you're not equitable. Cut it out. Knock that shit off. You can't keep saying you want diverse voices on the board and not also want diverse socioeconomic statuses. uh, Because you can't get both. Well, and it just creates this cognitive
1: dissonance. You can't be saying one thing and doing something else, right? It just doesn't make sense. So if you're going to talk the talk, walk the walk, and, you know, put that, put those measures in place first. Yes. Clean up your house first.
0: Do your work so that the person of color doesn't have to come in and educate you. Right. And really, it should be people. Never, again, I'll say never, bring on one new voice that is going to put that person in a horrible position and this is you know like any new demographic you're trying to get represented you're trying to get new young folks don't have there just be one 20 something who sits on the board and is asked to essentially represent their entire generation it's not fair to them and it also means that they're going to be the only one asked to speak up and say hey this thing actually isn't accessible to me hey when you talk about these other things I don't know what's going on. You need to bring in a cohort of folks together so that they're both able to support each other, but also so you have multiple voices in those spaces. Absolutely. That's such a great point. Such a great point.
1: So what else? do we miss anything else with
0: recruiting? Well, I want to go back to one of the things you said earlier and just highlight it a bit more. The need for documentation of Your process and your recruitment goals and all of that is really important. And be transparent about it. Post it Mm -hmm. on your website. Have it available to send to candidates, right? Like that candidate packet can be your upcoming meeting schedule, your board expectation sheet, your annual calendar of events, um, the role you're hoping they're going to play. Like if you have a job description for that, include that, the board member job description, and then the application. But you want them to have a lot of information so that they know what they're getting themselves into before they ever apply. That's such great advice.
1: Um, Because what this ultimately does, when you are setting this up from the beginning, these expectations, it makes those conversations a lot easier down the line when you're having to talk about board roles. And, you know, that's not really your role. You know, stay – when you're trying to create your boundaries, um, when you're trying to talk about fundraising, um, it's better when those conversations are just – they're not new information. It's repeated information. So I'm not saying you won't have those conversations. I wish (laughs) that just by providing the information up front, there's never any question or – Um, concern with that stuff but the reality is you are going to have them again but at least it'll just be reiterating
0: what they've been told from the very beginning yep yep and that's how you ensure you get the right kind of people on the board you know they're coming in eyes wide open they know what to expect and then through vetting you'll know what to expect too which is what we'll cover next week great well We, as always, would love to hear from you. What are some of your stories about recruiting? And we're collecting listener stories for our September listener episode. So please, please, please email us your stories, your questions, your thoughts, your dreams, anything. Nonprofitreframe at gmail.com.
1: Those are my favorite. It just takes a second. I know you're listening to it right now and you're like, oh my gosh, I should totally tell them about this story. Make a note. Write it on your hand. says... Email Nonprofit Reframe and email us that story before you forget. We want to hear about it. And as always, please support your local nonprofits. Give and give generously. Thanks, folks.
0: We would like to thank our sponsors. Mission Launch is a Colorado-based nonprofit consulting firm focusing on fundraising and board governance. You can learn more at missionlaunchco.com and Jake Walker Music, who provides our theme music. You can find him at jakewalkermusic.org. Thank you so much.